0: Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business. Whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs, Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the arena logo front and center on the fastest swimmers race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts, and let them know that Off the Block Swimming Podcast sent you.
1: Australia in four, the United States in five. Take the bottom stubborn to buffer Schlinger in sixth into the yellow lane henry green start has
2: got into the water quickly but so did joyce was short of germany was away well they'll go to the
0: wall altogether, together pick that one bloomer in fact ahead of manuel
1: and hereshamania what a shot peterson stumps her authority on another 200 score. now henry is starting to cover cut- Jodie Henry of Australia shading Jenny Thompson
2: has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jodie Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be. Yeah! It's big
0: for Hello, everyone, and welcome once again for another week to the Shannon Rollison podcast. But a very special uh edition this week and a special guest joining us get to in a minute firstly joined by the man himself mr shannon rollison shannon how are you uh, very good robbie nice to see you again yeah. hi david <laughs> yeah. How are you, Janet, for following the product. I'm about to introduce David. No one knows that David's on the podcast, oh. so that's why I've got to introduce him. But thank you, uh, we've done it enough, but you know, it's just, we're still learning as we go. Uh, and joined by a very special guest today, Mr. David Clark. Um, just a little bit of introduction on David before I say hello. David is an experienced sports author, writer, researcher within, um, you know, every major, he's worked with every major Australian television network, uh, alongside the sports commentators that you guys hear on the TV. And then you see the big binder of information and and the plethora of uh, of info that those guys get and speak to you guys through the TV. David is the man behind a lot of that, giving those guys information. Uh, He's also, you know, very keen uh, and, and enthusiastic about swimming here in Australia and the swimming Australian championships, which coincidentally enough, uh, on the 17th to the 20th, up on the Gold Coast we have coming up. So we thought what a great time to have a look back uh, and uh, and what a better man to have on to have a chat about the history of swimming here in Australia and specifically the Australian Swimming Championships, Mr. David Clark. David, thanks for joining us, mate.
2: And thank you very much, uh, Robbie. And uh, hello, Shannon, how are you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very well, David. Yeah, there we go. Nice to have you on the on the podcast.
0: Here we go now now we now we've got it rocking and rolling, uh, yeah. So look, we thought for all the listeners out there um, with uh, the Australian Swimming Championships coming up, as I said, seventeenth to the twentieth, up on the Gold Coast, it was a great chance to have a look back in the history of this great event. But before we get to that, I want to just to make people feel a bit more familiar and comfortable. And, David, I know you're an avid listener to the podcast. You've mentioned a few things um, to me off air that, you know, we only bring up on the podcast. So I know you listen. Shannon, what the listeners are interested in, are you cooking today and and what's on the menu? Spaghetti. Oh,
1: it's, I can only cook spaghetti. Oh, and steaks. <laughs> <laughs> and the odd egg. <laughs> now, I'm
0: just you- trying to be good at Spaghetti. I'm I'm interested because you you obviously you did the spaghetti while you're on the podcast doing it and the the family told you that was shit house, that was no good. And then the week (laughs) after you decided, well I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna go back. Was the feedback a lot more positive?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was no doubt. When I said bad, I meant bad.
0: (laughs) How do you mess it up that but like I mean the podcast that week I stuffed up the meatballs? (laughs) oh dearie me all right well there you go so that we're back on spaghetti this week david just out of interest Hmm. do you have a specialty in the in the kitchen
2: uh look i'm not too uh not too bad with the uh not too bad with the pasta (laughs) and i make a pretty mean omelet but that that that's about the extent of my uh my culinary skills
0: hey now i'm interested with the omelette Everyone, in mm. cars, everyone in the car's listening. Go. Why is he cracking on about <laughs> omelette? But I, I'm interested. With the do you ever get it wrong? So I try to do omelets right, but I flip it over and then I stuff the whole thing up, and it becomes scrambled eggs with, you know, with mushrooms and chicken or whatever. You want to put in it? Is there a is there a trick? Is there a? Trick
2: uh, yeah, yeah. I omelet? think the trick is 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 not to not to have the pan too hot, so that it cooks too quickly, because that's when it burns on the bottom and it doesn't cook properly through at the top. So it goes it's sort of all runny, which makes it inedible. So you just have to keep the, the heat a, a bit lower than 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 what you might expect and and let it cook for, you know, even ten or fifteen minutes, not not three or four.
0: There you go. You learned something new. And actually it makes a lot of sense because I'm very um impatient if I I'm, might if I'm like I just want to get it done quickly so I do ramp it right up so it makes a lot of sense now because by the time i think why is it black it's not even so yeah no all right makes a lot of things thank you david for all the listening cooking's like
1: cooking's like coaching you need patience <laughs> yeah like <laughs> lawn maintenance <laughs> yeah
0: so that's why I'm going wrong it's just <laughs> lack of patience uh all right now listen we've got a lot of great information to get through on today's podcast so uh, what i want to do is try to give you guys the listeners a little bit of uh, a look back into the history and we're going to go through some stuff and david's been kind enough to to give us so much great information that i want to make sure we cover uh through our chat as well and then we'll get to some questions and some some uh, conversations around stuff so um obviously the first championships david if i'm not mistaken you've given me some information here it was in 1896 uh, uh
2: yeah. yes they were yeah held in sydney in uh, in 1896 uh and uh, there were only six events on the program uh, back in that year all all for men uh and uh, they were known as the australasian uh, swimming championships at the time and were for a number of years after 1896, because New Zealand competitors um, were also involved, and also the championships were held in New Zealand a couple of times. But uh, but uh, in that um, in that year, the uh, the events were were held at four different venues um, uh, around Sydney, um, including Sutherland Dock, which is on Cockatoo Island. So uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, Sydney and Cockatoo Island, Sutherland Dock is still is still there today. You can see that, um, and. Um, yeah, so there was uh, it was uh, there were six events as I said, all for men: um, one hundred yards, two hundred and twenty yards, four forty yards, eight eighty yards, and seventeen sixty yards freestyle. And uh, there was also the plunge, which uh, stayed or remained on the Australian swimming program for for about four or five years before that was dropped. The plunge. The the, the plunge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The plunge was a fascinating uh, a, a, a fascinating event. Um, Uh, it was called the plunge for distance um it was held between 1896 and 1904 and so swimmers were given three attempts to dive in and propel themselves as far as possible uh without moving their arms and legs uh within a time limit of 90 seconds or until their head broke the surface of the water uh and so the furthest winning distance um, was uh, was sixty six feet, which is about twenty point three meters, uh, and that was actually in eighteen ninety six. So that is the Australian plunge record is twenty point three meters. So, uh, so ah. <laughs> that's interesting. Like um, the longest that that's
1: it's a drill that we use for dives. I was um, going to say, mm. Shannon,
0: based off my kids when they came down, yeah. they wouldn't have done very well with this championships. Well. well... <laughs> We call them super subs. Yeah. And uh, um,
1: I think Will Kirby is, I think he could go 25 metres. That's the longest I've ever heard of uh, back in the AIS when he was at the AIS. Um, He's a WA boy. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: From my own personal swimmers, uh, 20 metres. Cassie Hunt could go 20 metres off a dive. And our sort of go to is fifteen meters. So that's right, okay. Our bread and yeah. butter that everyone's got to get to.
2: Right. So yeah. so, so even even back in the day, twenty point three meters back in eighteen ninety six was a pretty uh, would would still hold up pretty pretty well today. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And but I'm, I am interested just in on on the plunge and as, as swimming coaches, both of you, um, what sort of uh, uh, what sort of swimmer would be the most likely to to um, uh, you know, achieve the best distances. That like a, a a big, you know, bulky sprinter like Kyle Chalmers, or or somebody who's who's you know maybe leaner or, or smaller, like like Flynn Southam, who or who who would be um, you, you know, and and could also um, is it an event that that men and women could compete in together? Could 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 women beat the blokes at the plunge?
1: If I had to be on a team. I'd be on the women's team. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because and I, absolutely they could compete. Um, and you got to have good flotation. Yeah. Uh, good core strength and and glutes. So because um, there's some swimmers, yeah. So if you if you sink through your legs, you're not going to be very good at the plunge. So if if, if you've got good flotation. Um, And good core stability because what happens is as they start slowing down, some swimmers um, they roll over onto their back because they're not cool. Some swimmers end up looking like a a plank of wood with their feet down to the bottom. Some swimmers (laughs) can't get back up towards the top. So yeah, and uh, so I I, uh, definitely think that it could be a male and female event, and um, I would think the females generally in my experience are a bit better than the men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was well gonna say go.
0: Shannon, do you think um would race suits help? Or do you think back in the oh, day yeah. That, yeah?
1: Yeah, race suits would definitely help. Yeah.
0: Um so if back in the day the you know the the bloke you said David that went twenty meters or whatever it was yeah twenty point three suit? meters, yeah
2: sixty six feet yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah race suits today he'd be he'd be going a bit better than that.
2: Yeah. yeah, Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so anyway, so those were the, those were the, uh, those were the six events on the, uh, the first Australian uh, championships and, uh, and, uh, women, um, first competed, uh, in 1904. Um, but then a couple of years later, uh, uh, the, the, the Australian ladies swimming association was formed. So, uh, if, if from around about 1908 through to 1930, there were separate Australian women's championships were uh were uh, organized by by um by the Australian Ladies uh, Swimming Federation uh, and they were held separately to the to the men's championships and it wasn't until 1930 that the two organizations uh combined and put men and women's events on the same program which is of course is um is what happens uh what happens today so um but of course in in well not of course but you may know that um uh, for the first couple of years of the Australian Ladies Championships male spectators were banned uh from Fair uh too,
0: David the perverts they <laughs> not <point. I couldn't
2: laughs> trust them <laughs> yeah. yeah especially so, so, back
0: in those days yeah so
2: <laughs> so, so, so they were banned from um, from watching um uh, uh and me, male spectators are banned from watching uh the australian uh australian ladies championships uh for the for the first few years and and i remember on a, on, on uh on the podcast a couple of weeks ago uh shannon you you mentioned a heritage round and maybe yeah. we should bring back so I, I can could i suggest you know w- when you institute that idea that that because it's a heritage round that male spectators are going to have to be banned from watching the women's <laughs> events at the uh at, yeah, during the heritage round. <laughs> yeah that would be yeah. good, wouldn't it? We could bring yeah. back the plunge. <laughs> bring back the plunge, <laughs> ban the male spectators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so um uh, yeah so so in uh, yeah, 1930 the um the two organisations combined um and uh the the championships weren't held uh during world war 2 which is no surprise most sport was uh, was was discontinued um uh uh then and um and uh, but after the war uh they decided that um uh the, the championships would be held in a single uh venue uh in a single city so prior prior to the war you often uh, uh had um a situation where um uh the championships would be held uh in rotation uh between two states so sydney and brisbane would this host, host the championships uh Uh, uh, Melbourne and Hobart and Adelaide and Perth so in other words you know you would hold four or five events in Sydney they'd all catch the train up to Brisbane and they'd hold you know the other events in Brisbane so so that rotation um, uh, was was in place for for quite a few years Um, but also when they did hold events uh, in in a, a city they would often uh, as they did in 1896, which we've spoken about, they would hold them at four or five, you know, different venues in the same uh, in the same city. So, so that all uh, uh, changed after World War Two, and and that's pretty much how the um how the championships have been been held ever since. Um, uh, and uh, and and this year, as you, as you know, the championships are coming up on the Gold Coast, uh, which is the um. Uh, first regional city to host a full edition of the championships. Their first edition was in 2018, uh, uh, because prior to that, you know, they'd been held in in all the major capital cities ex, ex, except Darwin. So, uh, so it's good, in my opinion, to see the um, see them, you know, moved, you know, to to uh, venues that that haven't, um, you know, hosted them many times before, or if 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 not ever before.
0: And Shannon, just to steal a question from David that he mentioned on the phone with me yesterday. So, sorry, David, I'm going to steal the question. Do you think, um, is that something you would be for looking to, you know, to have it? And obviously the venues have to be ready to go. So I'm not just saying move it to any, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry pool. But is that something you, you could see in the future with certain championships moving to like a, a town, like a bigger regional town, like obviously the Gold Coast, but you've got Newcastle, or certain places like that that are, are big cities but still sort of a regional town rather than Sydney. Like, it's the worst time to come to Sydney because you've got the Royal Easter show. That, yeah. You know, for anyone who doesn't know, just, there's park, there's just people everywhere. So in terms of looking uh, forward, is that something you reckon that you could get behind or do you prefer it to be in the the big pools and the big cities?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you yeah, know, we were, we were talking about this, weren't we, with... Uh, on the previous pro- podcast um i think the events team's got to make sure that when they're looking at hosting yeah you know, cities to host that there isn't a big event on like the easter show or um thinking about this winter the fina world cup for females you know that uh, sydney's hosting um so that's the, the first thing i think the other thing I and mean, we were just talking about you know, the lack of tickets all the Australian age championships, um, I, I think as long as you tick a few boxes, so obviously grandstand size, yeah. I, I think you, with age nationals, unless they tighten it up again, somehow um, you probably need two 50-metre pools or a very large, you know, 25-metre uh, pool as that warm-up swim-down type pool. So... I, I don't see a problem with regional uh, cities like Newcastle getting it as long as the facility. Uh, I, I think they have to come up with a mandatory list of what you have to have if you want to host uh, the the meets.
2: Yeah, that, uh, yeah, no, I absolutely agree too. Um, and they're building it. I mean, a, a good example is um, is Bundaberg. They've got a forty million dollar aquatic center under construction at the moment with a. Uh, you know, with a FINA approved, you know, a a 10 lane outdoor pool, and I think they've got an indoor 25. Um, so, you know, you look at a facility like that and you think, wow, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great to, um, you know, to move the championships there? And I can just imagine, um, you know, when you, when you have, you know, 1200 or so swimmers, you know, descend on a, on a place, you know, say like Bundaberg, including all the superstars, it, you know, it would just be, it, it would just be huge. Yeah. Um, you know, for that for that particular region, and no doubt give the sport a huge uh, boost. Um, you know, for for uh, a long time to come, I think uh, Isaac Cooper is um, uh, he comes from Bundaberg. There you go. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, correct. Yeah. Now, Shannon, just a quick one, and I don't want to sort of tie this into you know World War Two and stuff. I know. Mean, you're not, you're not going back that far. But what was your first Australian Championships as a swimmer?
1: Mine. Yeah. Uh, 1986, uh, Hobart, the Glenorchy Pool. Um, how old were you then? Uh, 14. So, yeah, that was my first ones. Um, how I made the final, I don't know. I went in as the sixth fastest Queenslander, had to beg my parents to send me, you know, uh, and my my memories of the Glenorchy Pool, it was an outdoor pool, it was cold, it was windy. <laughs> I hated the cold. Like <laughs> I was terrible in cold weather, uh, cold water in swimming and stuff. So I um, I made the final and back then the rule was the, your, the back of your foot had to be, your heel of, of your foot had to be at the back of the blocks. And we talk about, you know, um, listening to your coach and race instructions and all that sort of stuff. All I can remember was looking at these blocks that were quite a few steps to get to the front. Thinking, <laughs> I hope I get to the front in time. I hope I don't slip over. Like, like that was the only thing I was worried about. It was probably a good thing because I swam well. And then I made a final and uh, had to wait in this long line uh, to ring my parents to tell them I made a final. And after about forty minutes, I get to the to the to the, the you know the telephone booth. I ring them, tell them I made a final. They didn't believe me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and I got to say, Hobart has always been cold and hasn't been kind uh, to the Australian Championship. So uh, before World War Two, they used to um, uh, when Hobart hosted championships, they used to be at the Sandy Bay Baths, and the competitors always complained about how they, uh, and that was in the Derwent River. Uh, and so competitors always complain about how, how cold the water was, despite the fact that this is in the middle of summer, in the middle of February. Uh, so, um, uh, and, and after the war, when it was Tasmania's turn to host them again, I think the, uh, the rest of the states refused to go back to Hobart. So the Tasmanian Swimming Association, whose job was to, you know, host the championships, actually held the event in Melbourne. Uh, because no one would come down to no one would come down to hobart i think that was in about 1947 or 48 um and of course in 1977 when the uh when hobart hosted the australian championships at the um uh at the uh at pool at clarence the clarence memorial pool it actually snowed during the australian championships and uh and Shannon, i Shannon
0: would have loved that and
2: i i I, <laughs> I i don't know that that has ever Occurred when it's an outdoor pool, of course. Uh, so, um, so yeah, Hobart always cold.
1: Well, those those Australian champs that I was referring to, eighty six, that was in February,
2: right? Yeah, because, yeah. Um,
1: and it would have been early Feb, um, not long after the Queensland Championships, because I remember um, I missed the first few days of school uh, because the Australian champs were on, so school goes back early Feb. So that's how early, and that's still was cold. <laughs> so Sandy Bay, you mentioned there's a club called Sandy Bay in Hobart. But then that that sort of rings a bell because my first Hobart Nationals as a coach was 99. And so and I started coaching in 91, and I didn't go to Hobart at all through those 90s. And there's quite a few. National champs in Hobart in the eighties. Um, I remember there was the open yeah. nationals and things like that. So, and then my first open nationals would have been like two thousand and one. So Hobart, sort yes, of
2: got- in, in Hobart. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. and I, and I think Thorpey might have even set a world record uh, yeah, there. And yeah. I think I think that was the last time the championships were held in Tasmania. Was back in two thousand and one. So, yeah. in quite a few years. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. I, I think, well, they got that new centre, didn't they? Which was indoor. Um, yeah. There was, I, I remember someone, oh, I think he, one of the officials, one of the top officials in swimming Australia, Roger, someone, he was from Roger, Hobart.
2: Roger Pegram might have yeah. been his name.
1: Yeah. So he was always, you know, it's got to be back in Hobart. Be back <laughs> in Hobart <so. laughs>
0: well, we haven't been there for a while, have we?
2: No, two thousand and one. That's the first. Uh, that's the last time the national championships were held there. Uh, they would have held, um, you know, age uh, championships uh, there since then, and possibly um, uh, short course Australian titles there since then, but not not the national open titles. Yeah, yeah. There's
1: Shannon, definitely been a short course
0: nationals there yeah. since they won. Shannon, just while we're on, obviously the championships themselves. Uh, we know these days and of recent years, the Australian Swimming Championships are separate from a trials, which is usually in in now June, uh, leading up to either a Com Games or Olympic Games, whatever it might be. Your thoughts on that? Does it does it take away from the swimming Australian Swimming Championships? Does it make it less than? Do you find, you know, as a as a spectator when you're looking, do you see that certain swimmers aren't attending to you know sort of lessons that championships and you know here we are and we're looking back in the history of it and the rich history of it but are we moving away from that a little bit do you think
1: yeah i think so i, I think i my preference would be just the one meet and you run the trials at that australian championships so it's an australian championships/trials um and i think the biggest factor is cost um we're just making it you know, cost more for parents and athletes, uni students who you know. Um, yeah, not not all out of our open swimmers are, have got funding. Majority haven't, you know. And um, yeah, as I said previously, some of my swimmers can't go to both, so I, I think it makes sense just to have the one meet. Uh, you, you know, you can have relays. You know, the Gold Coast this year, it's a four-day meet, um, you know, a four-day meet with all the events plus relays. I mean, it's it's too big an event to have only for four days and to have relays on top of that. And I think relays is an important factor for clubs and club spirit and, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, my preference is definitely um just the one
0: mate today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors dmc fins dmc fins are the best training fins in the business just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of dmc fins in there swimmers surfers they're all using dmc fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion even superstar cody simpson is using dmc fins to help with his training towards paris 2024 head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10 percent discount at checkout um just getting I'll, I'll, you know back to venues again um do you have Shannon, I'll I'll go to you first, and then David, you can chime in. I know you've you would have been to some some competitions, and you've been around. Do you guys have favourite venues for an an Australian Swimming Championships?
1: Yeah. Well, my two um, were as uh, I think you've asked me this um, is is Sydney and uh, Brisbane, the Chandler uh, Complex, Mm. which I. Coached out for a long time, but um, as a swimmer, my favourite pool, and it's no longer around, is Batman Avenue Pool in
2: um, Melbourne. That was, yeah, cool. I think, yeah, and I think that was um, that was built, I think, in 1980 uh, on the site of the old um, uh, Olympic pool in Melbourne, which I think would, had been. Uh, built back in 1935 and, and named after Frank Uh but I think it was it demolished in the early 1990s. So it only it, it, it had one of the shortest lives of any any Australian swimming pool I can I can think of. Uh, it was a state swimming centre, I think they that they yeah. call it at the time, and then they built the Melbourne um, Sports and Aquatic Centre. Um, you know, a year or two uh, year or two after that. So, um,
1: is the tennis centre where that pool used to be?
2: Uh, I'm not sure about the exact location of of where the state swimming center was, but I think it was certainly in that in yeah. that area. It, it, it wasn't the Olympic pool built for the 1956 uh, Olympic Games. Uh, that uh, that that building is still there, although I think it's used as a um, uh, a basketball complex now. So the the pool is no longer there. Um, uh, but uh, no, I'm not exactly sure what the um, what, what the exact location was
1: yeah no, it was a very good pool i was lindley frame visited um the program last week and um we were both talking about how good that pool was actually
2: mm. yep absolutely but um but just on on a couple of the other uh a, a couple of the other uh, you know venues that have been uh used over the years um uh sydney's domain baths which is um uh in, in near the middle of the near the middle of the city which is now the site of the Andrew Boy Charlton pool that was you know the swimming venue uh, in sydney when it was first built in 1908 until north sydney olympic pool uh, uh was built that was you know the the go to place and that that hosted the australian championships on 15 uh, o- occasions which is more than uh, uh more than any other venue mm. um but uh, the interesting one for me um is valley baths uh in brisbane uh, which became, you know, known as the Valley Olympic Pool. So that opened back in 1926, and when they built that pool, they had the foresight to build it uh, uh, to metric measurements, even though in Australia, you know, everybody was uh, still swimming in the, in, in yards. Uh, so they actually built a 50-metre pool uh, uh, back then, um, and because it was in metres and Australian swimming, uh, you know, organised uh, organized, uh uh, meets in in yards. They had to get a special dispensation to hold the Australian Championships when they went to Brisbane uh, to to, uh, to hold them uh, to hold them in meters. Um, so um, uh, you know that was quite quite. a I mean they were well ahead of their time in in, in building them uh, building that venue in um, uh, in Brisbane. And of course, until uh, Chandler was built uh, for the 1982 Commonwealth Games, the Valley Baths were you know the primary uh, co- was the primary competition. Uh, venue uh, in Brisbane
1: yeah absolutely I can remember um, in the late 70s you know big school champ or big school champs it was only primary school but you go go into the valley and compete in there Um, and then I ended up that's the pool I trained in in uh, 91 and 92 uh, just before I stopped swimming so it was revamped by that stage but it was still the the same pool um and it used to be all made out of timber oh okay <laughs> yeah so it's timber everywhere so the valley pool
0: just um just quickly shannon and i don't know david if you visited this place but i, I see in the notes here and that's one that i've always wanted to go to just because from afar when you and especially you've seen sort of photos and videos from over the top of it but the uh hbf stadium in perth um originally known i think you've got here David is the Superdome is always one. Shannon, I wanted to go to and and we were going in 2020 right before um, COVID decided to come around and cancel everything. You, do you? What do you think of that, Paul Shannon? Are you, You're a fan of that? I think 1998 did they host the World Champs and
2: 1991? Yeah.
0: What's your thoughts on that one, Shannon? It's a good
2: um, complex,
1: and I've been to the Perth. There's quite a few. My first ever nationals as a coach uh was nineteen ninety-four nationals and that age nationals that was there. And then I think the opens in ninety-five.
2: Was, yeah, ninety three and nineteen ninety-five they held the Australian champion the Australian Open Championships. Yeah, yeah. That,
1: that was my first open nationals as a coach. Um it's a good facility. It's just Perth is so far away. So and you've got the You've got a large population of swimming is all on the east coast so it's, it's a lot of money to get everyone over to perth so that's that's the only thing from a facility point of view it's very good it's got lots of 50 meter pools the one they use for the world champs was is the one there right out the back um which quite often there'd be probably a lot of people that hasn't even swum in that pool even though they've been to the center because the first outdoor pool you come to is normally the one you warm up and swim down in, and so I think, from memory, they've got like three or four fifty-meter pools.
2: Yeah, I think. I, yeah, look, I have. I haven't been there either. I think. I think you're right, though. I think. It, I think it does have uh, uh, three or four uh, pools. I think they have, you know, water polo there and a, you know, a lot of other aquatic sports there as well. But, um, but uh, no, I, I I was in Perth recently. I went to uh, the Beattie Park Aquatic Centre, which before. Uh, that venue, that that was the main venue uh in Perth and that held the Australian Championships uh, a number of times in the nineteen uh nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies and it, it was built for the nineteen sixty two uh Commonwealth Games or Empire Games it was as it as it was known there. So uh so that uh, that venue is still uh, still going uh, that venue is still going strong. But no I haven't been to the um I haven't been to the HBF Stadium in Perth so
0: just one, it's one that always captivated me because obviously I, the height of my swimming fandom was around that 97, 98, 99, 2000. So I would still remember, you know, there'll be touching the world champion at 15 and it was just mm. a big, so it looked great aesthetically, you know, being a young and then, you know, as I said, there was lots of shots from over the top and stuff. So I don't know what it was like as a coach with, you know, in terms of uh, results wise, maybe, maybe it was a bludger of a pool. I'm not sure, but in terms of just being there as a spectator it's one that always spoke to me um well it's just on to some of the events and we talked about the the plunge before david what, mm. what are some of the the great sort of information stuff about some of the events back in the days and obviously things have evolved over time and we've gone from yards to meters and all that sort of stuff
2: uh yes yeah that's right so um as as i said originally uh uh, there are uh, uh only only events for men uh, and separate women's uh, world championships were held uh, were held until uh until 1930 um uh they um uh, the, i mean the program has expanded quite quite a bit over time um uh, and as 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 we spoke about the uh, they were measured in imperial yards right up until 1968 um but uh look prior to prior to that um that uh, they had a number of events on the program that you don't see uh, you certainly don't see anymore including the 440 yards breaststroke uh, <laughs> uh, there was also a, a a a 1250 yard uh freestyle event so that was roughly uh 1200 meters uh, freestyle uh, so that was held for uh, throughout most of the uh, uh throughout most of the uh, 1920s uh, uh they did have a um a six by 50 yards uh freestyle relay for the in at the women's championships in 1909 uh so six six swimmers so that, that'd be a rather interesting uh uh type of uh type of relay to uh to bring uh to bring back uh, as well um and of course butterfly wasn't um recognized as a separate stroke uh until uh i think it was 1953 so So um, uh, there were a number of uh, – and, I mean, that evolved, I think, as a separate stroke because uh, they'd worked out that, you know, the overarm butterfly technique was uh, a far better way to swim breaststroke, uh, a breaststroke race, Mm -hmm. and and then they decided to separate the two events. Um, And so, of course, uh, that meant back before butterfly became a separate stroke that the medley events were only – uh, you know three by one hundred and ten yard medleys, not four you know there was only three because they only um had three strokes in the uh, in the in- individual events so um so yeah there's some of the um there's some of the official um events that uh, used to be on the australian program uh but but it, it, particularly in the um early 20th century uh, they used to have a lot of novelty uh events at the at the swim meet Sounds now like these weren't carnival yeah they were yeah so so these weren't um these weren't official australian championships but it really gave as as you say robbie a true meaning to the word to the word carnival so i mean just a couple of ex- examples that well, i've can got see there why
0: the boys were, were banned from so you've got here dress and swim yeah night shirt and candles no wonder the boys weren't allowed to be around yeah.
2: well, well well yeah i mean th- th- that's a good example so the, the the dress and swim novelty race for example which was held in 1908 so you had Four competitors dived off, swam to a platform. They put on a coat and trousers and swam back to the start. Right now, only three suits were allowed for the four contestants. So there was a big fight for the, the uh, possession of the, the the three suits for the four uh, amongst the four swimmers, uh, which uh, which thoroughly uh, amused the spectators. Um, there was an undressing in water competition. Uh, that was in 1904.
0: So, so ticket sales uh, went up.
2: Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah So <laughs> competitors competitors entered the water dressed in a swimming costume, uh, shirt, collar and tie, a tweed coat, uh, trousers, socks, leather boots or Uh-oh. shoes laced uh, laced up to at least five holes, and they had to remove all the, their clothing except the swimming costume while in deep water so the first person to remove all that clothing except their swimming costume you know uh w- won the race so um yeah and uh look uh, another great example was the apple snapping contest and that's where they had <laughs> they had uh, um eight eight apples were suspended above the water uh one to be caught in the mouth by each competitor so uh, you know eight swimmers eight apples you had to go and grab this the uh the the um uh, swim out, uh, uh, put the apple in your mouth, um, and swim back to the start uh, with the apple still in your mouth. Uh, back to the starting blocks. So, uh, <laughs> so again, heritage heritage round, Shannon. This is this is where we this is where we've got to go. I'm
0: a fan. Let's let's bring it back.
2: Yeah. Now, 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 now amongst the superstars of of today, I mean, who, who who's going to take out the apple snapping competition? Competition. <laughs> I can, um, you know,
1: if we did have a heritage round, um, and you had the apple snapping comp, there is an extra that I I would give a call to. <laughs> so, um, a, you know, I'm thinking of someone back in the '90s that I coached. So, uh, the uh, that's amazing, isn't it? And you talk about like Robbie Carnival, yeah, like, um, you know um we were originally in Sydney and we moved to Brisbane so I used to call swim swim meets carnivals yeah and uh when I first started coaching, you know do all the nominations, you'd go into the Queensland swimming office, hand them in and you know I m- would mistakenly say I've got the nominations for the swimming carnival well. Yeah. Didn't I get in trouble from Greg Lawler? That's a New South Wales term. We don't use New South Wales terms in Queensland. It's a swim meet. It's not a carnival. Carnival is a circus.
0: <laughs> well, it certainly is at school at school time. Anyway, you know, you look at um, year year 12 swimmers and they've always got their muck up swim. So they're all dressed up to all sorts of different stuff and jump in and away they go. And these days, a lot of the time, you know, parents and and the swimmers who are, you know, looking to do some good times, they just look very much down upon all of those sort of fun of it because they're like, "Oh, come on, let's get to the end here." We're watching these, you know, guys and girls in all sorts of outfits and you know swimming up and down. But it is, you know, that's when when you started talking about you know swimming and clothing and stuff. That's what it reminded me of, just of that sort of kind of. They had an egg and
2: spoon race. They did, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an egg and spoon races, submarine races. Yeah, there was a whole, uh, <laughs> a whole uh, the whole, the whole, whole, whole gamut of. Uh, whole gamut of events <laughs> mm. uh, but Robbie we were just to, uh, the, uh, on a more serious note we were we were talking about the evolution um of of the swimming program over the years and uh, I mean the other important um milestone at the Australian Championships was the um the introduction of the para swimming uh, events so so they were first on the program in 1990 um uh, and um but they weren't counted as official Australian titles until until 2001. Um, and so um, uh, you know they've and, and they've been on the program uh, ever since, in, in, including the, the forthcoming championships um, uh, on the gold on the Gold Coast. So um, uh, yeah, and it, just a couple of interesting um, uh, points about that is that um, Matt Cowdery ho- ho- holds the overall record with 30 Australian uh, titles in para swimming events, um, and um, and Kayla Clark and Taylor Corey um, share the record amongst the win with 18, and I think they they may be both swimming at the forthcoming Australian Championships so that'll be an interesting uh, battle to see who who might uh, get ahead there um uh, but i guess the other thing to to um remember is that a number of uh, swimmers with a disability have actually won Australian Open titles over the years you, you may remember uh, a swimmer by the name of Cindy Lou Fitzpatrick for example so she was she was deaf uh, and she won uh, i think seven or eight you know breaststroke titles back in the back in the 1980s so um so yeah, you know, I think that's a, a you know an interesting um, uh, a part of history, but but also those the events that were on the program from 1990 through to 2000 are only uh, they're regarded as unofficial or demonstration events, and uh, and uh, you know I am intrigued to um, and I don't know the answer to this of why they were only given that status and not awarded full Australian championship status. Um, if if one of your listeners out there knows the answer to that, I'd I'd, I'd really um, uh, welcome some feedback on that. Um, and and I guess the other the follow up question to that is: Should they retrospectively be granted full Australian um, championship status? Um, I don't know whether they were sort of invitation only uh, events, uh, but um, yeah, I don't know whether um, uh, that's uh, uh, you know that might be possible sometime in the future. So there you are.
0: Shannon, you got any any knowledge on that stuff? The, why they yeah, weird? well, um yeah, I, I
1: couldn't see a problem as long as you could you had all the, the results with being retrospective. Um the you mentioned Cindy Lou Fitzpatrick. I trained with Cindy Lou.
2: Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. And um there, when I was an age group, I trained down at Stone's Corner, um, Langlands Park, and um and then when I I started coaching, uh, and I I used to run a, a masters squad in the, the Valley Pool in the winter, and then at um, the, the little club I started at was Camp Hill State School. So in summer it'd be at uh, Camp Hill. Anyway, Cindy Lou um, trained with me in the masters group for a year or two I, while well, I coached her. So no, she's uh, if she if she's <coughs> She was a very good breast actually and mm. you know, as she would had to have been to win national open titles. I think she had been eighty eighty two Commonwealth games. yep maybe eighty six as well, eighty four Olympics. so yeah she was, she was great, great swimmer. Mm. very
0: good. Uh, just on, obviously we're talking about events, Shannon, and um, I just want to bring up a topic of. You know, We're trying to make our Australian Swimming Championships, uh, I guess, um, more viewer-friendly, try to get something new and something interesting and different on there. And I'll leave, I won't say all of them, David, but we've got a few. Uh, I'll let you take some of them as well. But we've got a few sort of ideas, Shannon. So I want to throw a few at you and then you tell me if you like these ideas that David's come up with for possibly the Australian Swimming Champ. So what about a state of origin relay? So you don't swim for the, you can't swim for the, for this, so for example, Emma McKean can't swim for Queensland just because she trains on the Gold Coast. She's from New South yeah. Wales. So she competes for New South Wales. Uh, same as Ariane um, from Tasmania and, you know, um, Mac Horton from Victoria. What do, you, what do you think of that concept?
1: Absolutely. Let's
2: get it done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, it's been a long,
2: long time coming. Yeah, no. I, look, I think it'd be great to see. Uh, it, it's interesting to me that um, that uh, there's there's doesn't seem to be a healthy entry list on the relays uh, at recent Australian championships. Um, uh, so, and you often don't see some of the um you know some of the bigger clubs um enter enter relay teams. So, uh, you know, I remember a, a, a two or three years ago. Um, no I think it was uh it might have been 2021 St Peter's Western one of the strongest squads uh you know in the country just didn't enter any, any relays yeah. and and relays are such a an important part um of uh you know our our uh, Olympic uh, you know ambitions uh yeah. that um yeah I'm, I'm surprised that they don't you know though they, they in, in some of the relay races there are often on only four or five entries yeah
1: yeah, and and not just with that Olympics up, but they're just an important part for club morale. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's the only time that the swimmers get to be part of a, a proper full on team, isn't it? You know, it's yep. an individual sport. I I built the Chandler Club around relays, um, so yeah, I totally agree. I think when you've got uh the Australian championships now only being run over four days that's where you're gonna have big problems um because people are trying to swim you know their, their best events so it, it's it's not a problem if you've got a like a, a breaststroker who doesn't do any other event but when you've got multi multi-event swimmers mm. um, yeah that's why yeah that if they continue with the four day Australian champs—they've probably got to look at how many events that they offer, and I would be for cutting events back and adding relays if they can't make a four-day meet into a six-day meet or something. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because certainly at, at the moment, if 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 uh, if they reverted to state relays, which they they used to have, not they weren't state of origin, uh, you know, Queensland would 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 clean up everything. Uh, That would be
0: pointless, wouldn't it? What else? And uh, What about elimination races? So, uh, obviously, we've seen that's a skins type event, uh, which I think, like, certainly in my fandom as a swimmer, we had some good skins events coming through, and then it just kind of petered off for one reason or another. Shannon, I'm sure maybe you can give us a bit more background maybe it was financial reasons maybe there wasn't enough backing and i think because at some stage it was financial um rewards as well if you if you got through but there were certainly skins events what what do you think about bringing something like that back oh that
1: that's uh, i think it's a standalone event you know so that used to be the corner skins
2: Mm. look i don't know whether they um it would, in uh, you know justify australian title status but but uh, i mean i look you know my idea there is that uh, 1500 meter freestyle goes for 15 16 17 you know minutes it's a, it's a long race so you have eight swimmers okay after four, uh, after um, the first uh, 200 meters the the swimmer who's coming last gets eliminated from the race <laughs> right and then every couple of 100 meters after that that the swimmer who's coming last is eliminated until the fourteen hundred meter mark, where there are only two swimmers left to battle it out for the title. <laughs> uh, now, now, now is, and that now that'll be make make for some very interesting race tactics. Exactly. <laughs>
0: how do you get rid of them, David? How do you let how do you well, let them know they've got to get well- out?
1: Yeah. On the yeah. 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 Well, I,
0: don't, I don't know look, how you guys do it, but if I tap my swimmers to stop them just in their lap, sometimes they just pretend they don't see me or hear yeah. me. So,
2: well, look, maybe, maybe you get a bit of a tap if you're coming uh, last in the 100 meters before. So you got a bit of a warning that you need to get your skates on uh, if you don't want to get eliminated. But look, I mean, they must have the they could invent the technology when you when you hit the wall the, the whole wall lights up and then the, the swimmer can see it. or you know m- maybe somebody's got to jump into the pool and haul them pull them out again yeah let's yeah. just cast a net
0: let's just drop a net in and that's it As, soon as you hit the net that's it you know you're out yeah. um mate, just some of the you know i want to sort of just have a look at shannon uh, some of the the champions who are who have really you know taken over when it comes to the australian swimming championship so we've got susie o'neill uh, has won 53 australian titles which is massive um 35 of those individual 18 relays by the way listeners this is all david's information i'm not that smart enough to know this stuff off the top of my head um but between you know 1989 2000, um i think she is by far away david the the most sort of successful at the australian championships because then you got frank bow repairs who i want to get to in a, in a moment because um, you know obviously he's got an interesting background after he comes away from swing but he's got 33 titles um so that's still you know 20 away from susie so she really was the champion um you know when it came to the australian championships
2: yeah that, absolutely she was um uh, but of course, um, in in her day and continuing through to now, there were a lot more events on the program than there were in in Frank Bow repairs day, um, and uh, you know uh, a, a lot uh, you know a lot more um, uh, styles as well. So um, so yes, yeah, Sus- yes, yeah, Su- as you say, Susie won uh, thirty five um, individual Australian titles. All of Frank Bow repairs um, titles were in individual uh, uh, events, um, and he was quite extraordinary because. Um, his swimming career lasted for some 16 years, um, from 1908 till uh, 1924. Uh, but for 10 of those years, um, he actually wasn't competing. So, you know, his, 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 his titles really only came over the, uh, over a, a matter of, of, of six or seven years. And he was, he was banned for um, – uh, he took up a job as a, um, a, a swimming uh, a teacher for the Victorian uh, Department of Education, uh, in 1910, I think it was, so he was banned by the Australian Swimming uh, Union at the time for being a professional, uh, and so he wasn't able to compete for a few years. Then, of course, World War One intervened, uh, and so the Australian Championships uh, weren't held again until 1920. Uh, they hadn't been held because of the um, a, a, a pandemic, uh, the Spanish flu, so... Um, so when he um so when he returned in 1920 he hadn't actually competed for uh uh for for 10 years and went on to win a a host more uh, Australian titles so you know quite a remarkable swimming career.
1: Must've been a very good natural swimmer eh.
2: Yeah 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 yeah, yeah absolutely. So um uh, and uh look uh, uh, as you as you just um uh, suggested there Robbie he he went on to have a very interesting um a uh, career in 1922 uh, he was um, happened to be at uh, at Coogee beach uh and um a, 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 a there was a fellow who um, uh, had been um, uh, bitten by a shark and he assisted the um uh, the the life in in rescuing uh this fellow and and as a result uh he was given uh, 550 pounds by the royal humane society in uh for his role in that rescue and he used that money to uh to establish uh the bow repair tire company which uh, is is you know still going today uh so he became a very very successful businessman uh he was um uh lord mayor of, of melbourne on two occasions he became a member of the uh, upper house in the victorian parliament uh and as lord mayor of melbourne he was instrumental in uh securing the uh olympic games for melbourne uh which he did in 1949 seven uh, years be- be- before the games were held sadly passed away only a few months uh before the before the games. Uh so yeah Frank Bay repair one of the uh, one of the great um great Australian swimmers. Yeah amongst other things.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's when when David mentioned him that was the first thing the first thing that came to my mind was not swimming it was it was tires. Um so yeah it's interesting when you get that background and the history of it and um, in terms of the most sort of successful swimmers in a single championships, David, you got uh, Paul Morfitt in uh, 1981 and Mitch Larkin 2019, both winning eight titles in one championships, and um, that's that's pretty that's pretty good, isn't it, Shannon? In in one sort of week, eight titles.
2: Yep, and that in, that included relay titles, of course. Yeah,
1: I, I can remember uh, that story because. Um, when I trained at Leander with uh, at Stone's Corner, we had a really good separate gym right beside the pool and the coach, uh, Mr. King, he used to uh, put up all the uh, stories and stuff of all, all the swimmers through the 70s and 80s that were club members and I can remember this photo of Paul Morford actually coming out of the surf because he was a very good surf swimmer as well. And the eight titles, and I think he, he, he'd won the surf competitions that year as well. So he probably won more than eight uh, in 1981.
0: So uh, The next one I wanted to bring up, David, which you can elaborate more on, is swimmers who have won an, an individual event on consecutive occasions. So you, you think of obviously someone like a Grant Hackett in the 1500, uh, who, who else uh, holds sort of championships over... A long period of time
2: yep yep so so nicole livingston and, and Susie o'neill um nicole livingston in the women's 100 backstroke and uh susie in the 100 butterfly both won uh 10 consecutive uh titles in in that event which is uh uh, uh quite a remarkable feat and c- kind of hard to see that ever ever being beaten mm. um uh but uh grant hackett and lisa jones and emily sebum actually won 11 uh titles in their respective events in the case of um uh hackett in the men's 1500 meter freestyle uh Liesl jones in the 100 breaststroke and emily seabum in the uh in the 100 backstroke so um they're the most uh wins by any swimmer in a single event but those weren't uh those weren't consecutive so um so yeah they there's some uh, quite uh you know remarkable uh records i, I imagine um uh, well, I haven't, I haven't got the, the figure in front of me, but but uh, Kayla McEwen must be uh, notching up a few in a row in in some of her backstroke events. So you know she may she sticks around for a, a few more years. She may give some of those uh, some of those records a nudge.
1: Yeah, she's certainly good enough to. So um, it's whether Australia can muster up the competition, isn't it? So. Um... With Nicole, she was by far the dominant backstroker um, female wise, when she was competing. So, um, and Susie, I mean, a lot of Susie's wins, you know, she had to beat Patria Thomas. So, yes, yeah, yeah. So they, they weren't, it wasn't an easy event um, internationally, you know, let alone nationally. So, yeah. with both, you know, they went one, two at the. What, what Olympics? Was it one, two? Was it in Sydney, though? no it must be 96 they went 96. one six yeah one two in the 200 fly,
0: the well, even 200 see fly. Their grant hackett as well you know him as a young fella coming through at kieran perkins and kowalski you know yeah for many years. Yeah.
2: yeah and of course he had uh some great battles with thorpe in the 400 freestyle too they went uh uh one two although i think uh thorpe got the better of him in most of the 400s oh
0: 100 well you only got to go back to the the podcast uh beginners and the openers especially on for the off the blocks one Thorpe and Hacker, Hacker and Thorpe. And that's, that's swimming for me, isn't as it? As, that's all I need to hear. And it takes me back to being 14 and 15. Um, what about some of the great comebacks, David? So we've, we've famously, and certainly sort of from my age, so I, I don't know too far back, but from my age, there's certainly been swimmers that we've seen Shannon have a break and a big period out of, and then pretty much. So the difference is just for the listeners at home, not someone who's had a break, these are people who have said I've retired and come back. So that's a little bit different because we see these days people sort of refrain, don't they, Shannon, from saying I'm retiring. They basically just you know have a little bit of time to themselves and reflect, and then realise, okay, I want to come back. These guys sort of said, no, I've I'm, I'm retired, and then have announced comebacks. Um, David, who were some of those guys?
2: Oh well, Grant Hackett, of course, he had a six year uh, break from uh, break from the sport. Um, uh, then came back at the uh, uh, the 2015 um, Australian Championships where he won uh, selection for the Kazan World Championships uh, later in the year. Um, I think he came fourth or fifth in the men's uh, 200 freestyle, which, which earned him World Championship selection. But he was actually also um, a, a member of Miami's uh, winning four by 200 metre freestyle team at those championships. So, uh, So he was 34 at the time, so that made him... Uh, the oldest uh, Australian uh swimming champion in in history albeit in a, in a, in a relay event so at the age of uh, at the age of 34. um uh, Thorpe, of course uh, made a uh, attempted to come back for the um uh, london uh, 2012 Olympics when he was I think he was 29 uh, at the time uh but I think he missed the um he missed the finals uh, at the selection trials of the 100 and 200 um uh, but I mean one of my uh i think one of the most outstanding comebacks of course was jeff hugel um he um he uh, retired after the melbourne 2006 uh commonwealth games uh and uh made a comeback uh, a couple of years uh, and you, you may remember his, his weight blew out to i think 130 140 kilos so he was a you know he was a big boy uh and he, then he came back um a couple of years after that and uh uh, won gold at the uh, next Commonwealth Games in in Delhi in the in the hundred fly, so that was just an extraordinary um e- extraordinary comeback, and I think he went up, went on to compete at the uh, the World Championships in in Shanghai in 2011. Um, and the other one that uh, I think was a terrific one, or uh, uh, just remarkable, age of at the age of 47, Shane Gould. Um, was at the um, Australian Championships in 2004, swimming the 50-metre butterfly. She was in the heats, and, uh, of course, it was an Olympic event, uh, so, you know, she wasn't uh, ever going to make an Olympic comeback. But to come back at the age of 47 uh, in 2004, and actually, I mean, because you've got to swim a qualifying time to actually get to the Championships, so to achieve that qualifying time, uh, at the age of forty-seven, and and she was a grandmother at the time, or still is, of course. Um, uh, I think was uh, uh, quite extraordinary.
1: Yeah, I, I can actually remember in the water um, in two thousand four. So yeah, the um, well, she her record stands for herself. She's just a good swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just thinking about that, Jeff Jeff would have to be of the of the ones you mentioned there i would have to say, say jeff was the comeback of, of those to win the come off games and then follow up the following year as well uh to make that 2000, 2011 shanghai world champs yeah very impressive
0: yeah no absolutely now boys i know we're, we're sort of time poor david as well so what i thought we might do shannon is i'm going to just go through some of the. Uh, Interesting facts, let's say some curiosities around the Australian Swimming Championships. And then when you hear something that you find interesting, Shannon, just put your hand up and let me know that you want to mention something or talk about it or you think, oh, really? So here we go. So lane ropes were first used in 1928 uh, at Brisbane's uh, Municipal um, Valley Baths. Uh, Claire Dennis swam the backstroke to win the women's 220 yards final, 1933, um, broke the world record in the process. Um,
2: so, so that's, yeah, so that was, so, so she swam backstroke. Oh, sorry, in, in, the, I in the part, yes. So she, yeah, she her technique was backstroke in the women's 220 yards freestyle final. So she was swimming backstroke. Everybody else is swimming freestyle. So um, she wins the title. Because in freestyle you can swim any stroke you like and she set the world record for, for the 220 yards backstroke in that same race. So uh, so uh, yeah that was uh, that was quite an extraordinary swim. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that's nuts isn't it? You didn't see that much these days that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Gwen Millard also swam her favorite backstroke to finish second in the 800 freestyle. And fourth in the four hundred and forty yard freestyle in nineteen forty. So, was that happening a lot back then, David? Well, uh,
2: look, I, 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 I don't think so. Uh, I think that you know they were just extraordinary. Um, they were just a couple of extraordinary swimmers. But, uh, but yeah, I mean to to, to swim backstroke for eight hundred and eighty yards. That's that's quite a. <laughs> that's that, that that's quite an extraordinary uh quite an extraordinary feat but but claire dennis who we we spoke of, uh, about just a moment ago so the previous year she'd won the 200 meter breaststroke gold medal at the 1932 los angeles olympics so she was you know she was a you know a very very well uh uh credentialed uh swimmer um and um i think she went on to um uh to coach swimming at the uh, the ramsgate baths which is uh in your sort of uh well you're part of the world, I think, uh, isn't it, Robbie? Uh, yeah, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she going to
0: Ramsgate RSL uh, yeah. tomorrow night for dinner, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So, so yes, Claire Dennis was uh, was an extraordinary swimmer. Uh,
0: well, the next one, I, I like this one. Forbes Carlisle hypnotised Gary Winram uh, and told him he was getting chased by a shark before he won the men's sixteen fifty yard freestyle in Adelaide, uh, which saw him become the first Australian to break nineteen minutes. Hypnotism, Shani, have you got into a bit of that? No, I read that yesterday,
1: and I thought, wow. I'm, I remember meeting Gary up at Threadbow. Don Talbot introduced me to him. He was swimming up there. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that was possible.
2: Actually, <laughs> I'd say, I'd say it's, it's probably illegal too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, I'm just going to try and get through a couple of these. So mm. I'm just obviously, as I said, we, we are conscious. I think we mentioned um, the snow falling uh, in Hobart's Clarence Pool. Um, the next one I, I saw that piqued my interest was the fifth, the men's 1500 freestyle final in 1978 Shannon at the Valley Pool was halted six laps after uh, a bomb hoax was phoned through to the venue. You don't see that very often. <laughs> <laughs> Only in That's Brisbane. Funny. Only in Brisbane.
1: It was probably from some swimmer's friend. The swimmer didn't want to do the fifteen hundred.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now I, I have it on good authority, and I'm not going to name any names here, but I have it on good authority. It it was phoned through by a coach of oh. a very of a very good swimmer, yeah. uh, who didn't who wanted his swimmer to have a bit more of a rest between races. Yeah. So they had to evacuate the pool.
1: I have. Um... <laughs> I have heard that story before. <laughs> I probably haven't heard that story since the, sometime in the mid nineties, and I'm pretty sure I know who that coach
0: is. <laughs> I tell you that, yeah, that one peaked my interest. Though. Absolutely yeah. true story. <laughs> well, the last time I remember um, bomb hoaxes being phoned through was when I was doing my HSC. So, forever, whenever at, at Lemire High School out here in Campbelltown. Um, yeah whenever you're doing the HSE you could you could just bank on one or two bomb hoaxes coming through <laughs> just to get us out of uh, so that's what happens out in Campbelltown that's just how we roll um, <laughs> there are a few others here I've got a uh, Paralympic swimmer and amputee uh, Gary Gunjan um, was disqualified for an incorrect breaststroke kick in the 1982 Australian championships um, what's that's sort of a bit were we not caught up at the time, David? With yeah, look, I'm,
2: I'm not sure what the, the detail about that was, but I, I guess, um uh you know, if you are an amputee, it would be very hard to do the uh, correct breaststroke uh, yeah, I mean. start- kick. Yeah, yeah. So I, I imagine that would have caused a lot of controversy, uh, a lot of controversy at the time. So uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: I can't remember what year, but it was at a very high standard meet. I'm sure it would have been the Nationals. I can remember a um a one-armed swimmer getting disqualified for not touching the wall with two hands in breaststroke.
0: you're kidding no
1: <laughs> and,
0: and you know what i mean like it's
1: like yeah, you know the thought processes just haven't really caught up with you know, and then yeah so i think he got reinstated but
0: oh uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> <I> some could... <laughs> good- <laughs> over the years you've seen some goodies and i hope that person got sacked from their job <laughs> who <laughs> came up with that um the next one I've got here, during the men's 1500 freestyle in Sydney in 2005, several announcements came over the PA system, advising the owner of a yellow Audi in the VIP car park that left their lights on. Moments after uh, winning the race, Grant Hackett was pulled aside by Swimming Australia media director Ian Hansen to let him know that his car was the car that was getting called <laughs> over the PA. <laughs> Oh, imagine that. You don't even know. It wasn't towed, though, was it, David? It was oh, no,
2: I don't, no, I don't <laughs> think so. He might have got a whacking fine, though, so who knows? Grant <laughs>
0: might not have been happy back then. Be temper on him. He might not have been happy if his yeah, yeah, car's yeah. being towed. Uh, <laughs> what else have we got here? At uh, Rio de Janeiro 2016, Kyle Chalmers became the first Australian swimmer to win an Olympic gold medal before he won an Australian title. Isn't that interesting, Shannon?
1: Yeah. The um, I read that and
2: yeah, yeah. So he'd come second, I think, to Cam Cameron McAvoy yeah. at the Australian Championships. So he actually hadn't won an Australian title. Then goes and wins an, a, an Olympic gold medal. So, uh, so uh, yeah, quite quite an extraordinary uh, uh, feat. So uh, and uh, and yeah, that ne- had never happened before. I mean, you would think, you know, you're winning a winning Olympic gold medals, you had to have won an Australian title. Well, um, the only one that I can
1: think of that sort of close to that would have been uh, Jodie Henry. She, because I remember in, in my uh, pre-race talk for Manchester, she won the Manchester Commonwealth Games and she was in lane four and she said, everybody ex- will expect me to win. And I said, what do you mean? You haven't won anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, 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 that's right, actually. So, it, it, it yes, yeah, she hadn't won anything. So her first Australian title came... The following year in 2003 when she won the uh the women's uh, uh 100 meter freestyle uh, and she won it again in 2004 so though those are only two individual australian titles but of course the one in 2004 would have been the selection trials for um uh for athens so she 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 won her first australian title just before her first um uh, olympic gold medal but yeah only a handful uh, t- only a handful of australian titles she knew how to race, though. That's what everybody. Everybody tells me she, she knew how to race.
1: Yeah, one you just had to get her behind the blocks. Yep, so get yeah, get her behind the blocks and she, point her in the right direction.
2: Yeah.
1: And off she went. Yeah. <laughs> like Stolen cat.
0: <laughs> yeah, nah, is not that that conversation her, right? you said you had with her, Shannon when she was late to training a few times or something? You said to her, "What are you turning up for?" Or what you know, what do you like? And she said she likes winning. Yeah, so she
1: said to me. um, uh, she was supposed to turn up training about 14 at the time. Um and she said, uh, I just uh, said to her, I said, do you do you like um do you like training? And she said, no. So oh, what why why do you turn up for? And she said, because I like I like racing. <laughs> so she only trained so she could race. <laughs> Which is you gotta think about that for a second. Yeah, and I've coached plenty of people who like training and don't like racing. Mm. So um, yeah, you certainly want the the Jody Henry
0: type. No, hundred um, percent. The last one I'm, I'm going to have here, David, which I find interesting that we're not we'll seeing more of it, especially 2023. We're starting to learn more about you know what we, our capabilities are. But three mothers have won Australian titles: Edna Davy, Lisa Curry-Kenny, and Haley Lewis in 2000. It's interesting we don't see more of it shannon and obviously we we know that you know look at holly barrett was 35 i think when she was still swimming so uh, i wonder if in years to come we will see more of athletes going off and having families and and finding ways to come back or
1: well it's definitely going to happen um as swimmers get older and, and they keep racing so um keep wanting to compete um it's probably more doable now than it's ever been before mm. just on on Haley um her her son Kai, Kai Taylor he's swimming really well yeah yeah so he'll be one to watch for the future but um yeah Haley was a Leander girl and uh, a Karina Chandler girl before that so
2: yeah I'm not aware of any um uh mothers at the moment who are sort of swimming at elite level or maybe some out there but they'll be interesting to interesting to see if that is the that is the case
0: yeah um I, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here boys only because we, we are time poor um and david i think just in terms of your, your knowledge and background i think we can certainly have you on for another chat in the future anyway so i'm not too worried about uh missing out on that opportunity i know we'll be able to chat and we've got another few um you know pages of stuff to go through here so uh, I just wanted to thank you very much for taking the time and reaching out. And I know this is obviously a passion of yours. Um, before we finish up with the questions, obviously a very learned man about swimming and, and you've got so much background and knowledge and information. W- where did that come from? Where, when did you, where did you sort of get that sort of uh, thirst for, for more knowledge?
2: Well, uh, as, as you said in the introduction, I've, I've worked um... – uh with australian uh broadcasters since uh, the 2000 olympics on on olympic and commonwealth games coverage um uh i've also worked uh, on the uh, australian broadcast coverage of the australian swimming championships uh since 2016 which uh, was initially um uh with uh, channel seven and then uh with amazon prime uh for the last couple of years so so uh, i've sort of been providing all the stats and facts and 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 buyers etc for um uh, for the broadcasters uh, and the commentators, and and I guess look, the, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than being asked a question by a commentator, and you and you don't know the answer, and you go because they need it, they need it right there and then, and it's got to be right. So I go, oh damn, it, you know. So uh, and 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 look, I have to say, um, I've also been a little frustrated because swimming uh, as a sport, um, uh, c- you know, considering considering its profile in Australia, ha- has not been terribly good uh, at keeping. Uh, keeping records and and you know historical um, uh, you know facts and and, and figures um, uh, you know so I um I, I guess I uh, sort of set about uh, certainly in the case of the Australian Championships just you know putting together a database of um, of uh, you know uh, previous uh, winners uh, and you know so I can work out you know who who's won the most titles who's you know who's the oldest who's the youngest all those sort of you know things that I can. Um, Uh, you know I can you know feed uh, feed to broadcasters but look the other um uh, so that's from a professional uh, point of view but look the other thing I was going to mention is um is uh, back in 2019 um John Harker gave me a call and John as you may know is the head of the Carlisle swimming organization uh and he's um he's also an experienced swimming uh, commentator uh and he asked me to um uh, come out and um and help um uh organize Forbes Carlisle's archive now uh, uh the late forbes Carlisle had a had a house in in Ride, which was just chock full of of folders and files and documents and videos and etc and it was just the you know complete mess so uh, so i spent uh, about six weeks organizing the um the forbes Carlisle archive and he kept absolutely everything so he had programs from um, you know, uh, Australian championships back in the 1950s and 1960s. And he had newspaper clippings and, uh, he had all sorts of, um, you know, material there. And I, I looked at all that and I thought, you know, this material actually does exist, you know, in, in places if you, if you know where to find it. So, uh, so that sort of also inspired me to, um, uh, you know, to, to, you know, put together a far more comprehensive, um, you know, database, if you like, of, um, uh, information about Australian swimmers and the Australian Swimming Championships in, in particular.
1: Yeah, now uh, you're 100% right about swimming being um, not very good at keeping all its facts and records and stuff, and I think that goes a long way to, uh, yeah, the culture of the sport. It really hasn't got any excuses not to you know, know who our predecessors were, you know. Um, it's re- it's just really disappointing. Um, but um, just listening to what you said there, I met the com- and we mentioned the Commonwealth Games of uh, 2002. That's the first time I met Bruce McEvaney. Oh, is okay, that yeah. right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget it, you know. And talking about commentators, he'd have to be one of the best. He called Athens, and I, I still remember, you know, he's – you know, he probably set it for the men's hundred free. He's definitely set it for the women's hundred free. You know, we're we're reaching the the summit. You know, referring to the blue ribbon event. And I I, I love it when he calls swimming. So
2: yeah yeah yeah. yeah well, of course, you know a- athletics. Um, you know, has has been his main um, uh, yeah. call for uh, uh, various Olympic games. But look, I've worked um, uh, with Bruce and I know him very well um, uh, for many years now. But uh, you know, because um of his association with uh, uh channel seven i think uh in 2000 and yes in 2004 he 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 did call the swimming and he called the athletics at the, at the so i don't know that he actually got any sleep in the, in athens in uh, in 2004 um but uh <laughs> uh but he also i think called the um he also called the swimming in in london in 2012 for the host uh, broadcast, not not the Australian broadcaster, because in that year channel nine and and Foxtel uh, held the rights. and i but I think he called called them that year with uh, with Nicole Livingston. um and um yeah, he's he's just an extraordinary um extraordinary uh, 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 commentator. And um, you know, uh, as I said, I've worked very closely with him, but he does an enormous amount of research, no matter what sport it is he's calling, athletics, swimming, horse racing he's got a huge passion for. Um, uh, but, but I guess the irony in all of that is, you know, because I've, I've worked so closely with him as a researcher, despite the fact that he does so much research and knows so much about the sports he's calling, he he worked, he's, he's worked me harder than any other commentator. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, no, he's a, he's, but it's so, doesn't it? Sorry, he.
1: It absolutely shows.
2: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, he's so good at what he does because of the pre- preparation.
2: Because of the preparation,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. obviously, you know, you're there um, helping him and stuff. But but it's of no surprise that he would work you harder than. It yeah. just le- leaves no stone unturned. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we were talking about tapering um, last week, and that, and, and and I think during it, I you know. Uh, Bob Bowman talked about the, the taper will look after itself if the preparation has been done. You know, if it's been a good preparation, and that that's why it just flows when when you listen to Bruce, whether he's talking yeah you know, athletics. And I've heard him. Yeah, he must have done probably ten Olympics or mm. eight Olympics in athletics. I can remember him eighty four.
2: Eighty four was his first one. Yeah, yeah Yep. in Los Angeles.
1: Eighty eight, yeah. He's just fantastic at it. And even the horse races, when I'm not that much into horse racing, but I've heard him called Melbourne Cups and stuff. And mm. you think that that's the only thing he knows, but he's just the ultimate professional.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah he makes it sound effortless. Like, you know, obviously, we've talked about David, the preparation that he'd do behind the scenes. But when you listen to him, it doesn't sound like that's something he's, it just sounds like it's a part of him. That he's known at feet does that make sense like it, yeah it, it does sounds very authentic it doesn't yeah. sound you know you do hear some commentators and i don't want to mention you probably would know some dave that you give it it sounds very much like they're reading words. reading yeah word reading of, a list yeah. being given but yeah. not bruce that sounds like you know that's all just off the top of his head
2: yeah yeah no uh, 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 look i absolutely i agree with that no i, I think he's um you know he's he's, he's one of australia's most you know remarkable um sports commentators in in history yeah. so
1: yeah if you want to lift the profile of the sport and I think swimming does need a lift I mean we haven't got a, a sponsor um you, you you want it you know like if, if you've got Bruce t- talking about you know commentating on swimming like the world the world champs comes to mind the recent ones in Melbourne you know that's how you sell sell the sport as well yeah the commentary of those big major events if it's passionate and live and everyone knows what they're doing you know they sell the the swimming as an event as well you know so you you need your
0: best people in in every aspect so yeah absolutely david have you got any favorites that you have you got i don't want you to put up you know mention people that don't do as well but have you got any favorites that you you give information to that you think geez they they really obviously Bruce but is there anyone else you've worked with that you you really enjoyed working with because you could see there was a passion and enthusiasm from them as well
2: oh look I, I wouldn't say they're favorites look you know the main um uh look the main uh, swimming commentators um uh, uh you know I've worked with um are a uh, basil Zemplis mm-hmm. uh and and John Harker uh and uh, and matt thompson more recently for channel nine at the um world short course championships in melbourne uh and and i've got to say i mean look you know matt's a, a terrific example you know he'd never commentated swimming before uh and i think he sort of a, a approached the you know the meet with uh, some uh, uh, trepidation but uh, he did an extraordinary amount of um you know of research in 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 the lead up to the championships uh and um and, uh, you know, he had uh, alongside him, um, is Rooney and, 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 Ian Thorpe. Uh, and then I, um, you know, I sort of, you know, pitched in and, you know, helped with, um, uh, you know, other information, you know, biographies of the swimmers and, and stats and world records, all that sort of thing. But, uh, look, he did a, he did a terrific job, uh, you know, for, uh, for a debut call. Um, and I guess following in, the, the footsteps a bit of, um, of Ray Warren, who, um, as you know, Matt Thompson is a, um, uh the channel lines main rugby league caller as uh, ray warren was before and ray warren um uh you know used to love uh doing the swimming commentary for for nine for many years uh as well but um look basil zemplis uh i've worked with him uh at, at seven um as 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 you probably know he's uh he's now the lord mayor of melbourne uh he he uh calls afl for uh channel seven for the for the perth games uh he um I think he also does the sports news for Channel 7 over in Perth. So, so you know, I would do a lot of preparation for Basil um, because he was so busy doing a zillion other things. Uh, and then a, a week before a, a Commonwealth Games or or Olympic Games, uh, suddenly Basil starts to think about the swimming. <laughs> Doesn't want to know about it until a week before. Uh, and then suddenly he, he, he just launches straight into it, stops everything and just focuses on swimming. And uh, it... I, I can't I can't tell you um, how extraordinary his commentary is considering the amount of time that he's put into that prep, but he just, he just goes, you know, goes for it a week before. And then of course, during the, between the heats and the finals, he's just, you know, focuses on it, Kylie. And, you know, he, he, he calls it, you know, like he's been doing swimming all year. Mm. Uh, and, um, and of course, um, uh, the other one um, who I've worked with is um, John Harker, as we mentioned before. He's now the head of Carlisle um, swimming, so he's uh, called a number of Australian championships. But uh, but swimming isn't his only um, sport. He's he's um, you know one of those commentators that uh, you know if you're a, a, a producer at an Olympic or Commonwealth Games, you think, oh, who are we going to do? Get to do the weightlifting, or hang on, we've got a, 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 an Australian in a in a wrestling match coming out. Who are we going to? John Harker is your man, so he, yeah. he he can call he can call any sport and uh, and if you asked him uh, how many sports has he actually commentated on, you know at Olympic or Commonwealth Games level, I would suggest it would be uh, twenty plus sports, you know. Yeah. So uh, uh, so yeah, he's um you know he's he's a a, a terrific caller uh, him as well. So yeah, they're they're the main ones as far as the swimming is concerned.
1: Who's well. the guy from ABC? Um.
2: Gary Collins, perhaps? yeah. 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 He yeah. was very good. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Basil, you're right. He is good. And um, the other one uh, that comes to mind, oh, Norman May. Did you, you yes.
2: ever do anything with Norman May? No, no, no. A little bit before my time. But, of course, he he famously called Chain uh, Gould's gold medals in uh, 1972 um, in Munich. Uh, I, I look. I, I think he must have done seven or eight um, Olympic games for the ABC over the um, over the years while uh, the ABC um, uh, had the rights, which I think they had the um, the TV rights up until about nineteen eighty and and radio rights after that. So uh, yeah, so uh, so Norman May, he um, yeah, he was uh, he was a, um, a a wonderful wonderful caller as well.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've got a radio call of Jody's Athens race. And I'd have to go back. It's been a hell of a long time since I've listened to it. Um, someone gave it to me. Um, I think Norman May called it.
2: Yeah, yeah, he could have done for it, yeah for the radio. Yeah, Norman
1: May and Rob Woodhouse.
2: Right. Okay. Yep. I think
1: Rob Woodhouse must have given it to me. I think it was Norman May, um, and that would have. So he did he uh, commentate on any of uh, Dawn Fraser's wins?
2: I, I don't I, I don't know the answer to that yeah. so so her um uh so she would have been you know 56 60 um 64 uh Olympic games mm. uh 60 uh 58 and 62 Commonwealth Games. so yeah look he probably did but but uh but don't quote me on that
1: long, well, it was a, such a long time between drinks <laughs> with that event but yeah there's been um I, I thought you know who I thought was very good back in 92 um and I don't know if it Basil was doing it. That might have been one of his early ones. But um, uh, Neil
2: Brooks, yes, he was yeah, a good yeah. commentator. Yeah, and yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Anyway, so
2: he. Did- no, I, I think '92 might have been a bit before Basil's time. I think he was playing. Uh, he was playing AFL or something at the time. He was a very good Australian footballer in his uh, in his day.
1: Yeah, I can uh, see the guy. I think the guy who did '92 with Brooks, he was an AFL commentator.
0: But
1: anyway, his name escapes
0: me. Yeah. Big yeah. tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's always it. Yeah. Uh, it's always interesting, isn't it, David? Because obviously Neil Brooks would be uh, more. I, I don't know the terminologies what that they use there, but for me, it's either play-by-play or, or color commentary. So someone who adds the extras. So for you, obviously, you talk about Australian champs, and you had Matt Thompson who's play-by-play, and then you yep. have Gianni. Ex-
2: uh, who are the expert commentators, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
0: Co- yeah. Um, so that that always, like you said, Shannon, makes a difference too. Sometimes having that team together works really well. And I guess, you know, as I said, going back to when I was really enjoying swimming as a youngster, having Ray, but then having um, Nicole and Duncan Armstrong, I think, was in there at the time as yeah. well, just starting. Yeah, and they worked really well together. There was just a balance and a cohesion and, and yeah, that makes... A big difference
1: yeah that, that's what i was going to mention as well before ray warren was very good the channel nine stuff yes. uh, and, and i think you're right he worked really well with duncan and nicole yeah for sure
0: i think just yeah having the passion anyone david would would be able to tell you that you know he gives that information too that has a passion about the sport you can just tell you can tell people who do it for a job and that are good with it are still good at commentating they still cross the T's dot their eyes. And then you can tell the ones who, you know, like watching Bruce watch a horse race, you can he gets out of the chair and he's throwing things. And you, you can tell this is they're loving it or dang. And he, he does uh, that when he's yeah. commentating the athletics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, and that reads that comes through that come, people can hear that they, they know that, Oh, there's something special happening here. And Ray yeah. was always good at that of finding that's the moment. That everyone was on their feet and he'd lift his voice at the same yeah. time so anyway we could talk for ages about that <laughs> but david uh, i just want to thank you very much for coming on uh, and sharing your knowledge and as i said I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back on again for a chat about another topic at another time and yeah definitely yeah i know shannon uh definitely loves the history of swimming as well and uh, for me i'm learning stuff as i'm going through this as well which is fantastic and hopefully i always think my ears are very similar to the ears of the listeners that a hearing thing. so hopefully you guys listening um, took away some really, really interesting facts as well, and hopefully there's a lot of people did you know that's what my hope for after this podcast is someone says to someone did you know that, and then there starts a conversation because, as you said, the history of our sport sometimes gets lost and um the plunge bring back the plunge
2: <laughs> we're gonna do the plunge this afternoon oh good on you <laughs> see if they can break the australian record if you got to, don't forget to bring the tape measure though <laughs> <laughs> no, all right guys no, no. well
0: thank you very much for joining us to all of those competitors and and coaches heading to australian swimming championships uh, on the 17th to the 20th good luck Uh, We wish you all the luck for the weekend um, and hopefully Taper's gone well. Hopefully you listened to the Taper episode the week prior and uh, you've got all that ready to go. Good luck to all of you. David, Shannon, thank you very much for joining us for a great chat. Yeah, no, thanks, Robbie. Thanks,
1: David.
2: Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Shannon. Very enjoyable.
0: Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now And let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.